vodka straight. And by the way, food was excellent, brother. You're the guy that got caught in that avalanche, right? Yeah, I'm the one. Like black men don't have enough ways to get killed without climbing up some stupid ass mountain in the middle of God's nowhere. Need to leave that to the white folks, brother. Afro Horror, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy spooky season. We have a really great show for you today. I am with a creator who actually reached out to me in the DMs uh, to talk about their new project. And I'm so glad they did because I got to watch it and I absolutely loved it. And we have so much to talk about. So I'm here with writer-director Brandon Espy of Mr. Crockett. This is a bite-sized short. So it's bite-sized Halloween short, I should say. That's on Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu. He has the season three, episode 10 uh slot for mr crockett brandon hi hey how's it going good how are you i'm good yeah i'm excited to talk talk with you you know as i said yeah i, I did reach out because you know I'm, i've been a fan and i thought hey it's a great opportunity to you know you've been a fan of afro horror yeah i've been a fan of afro, afro horror more so from like i guess from like more of afar in a way just yeah. because i'm like a parent of two and like wild crazy parent stuff and so like but whenever I get a chance to really lean in the horror, you know, I took this opportunity. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you. I'm a fan of you now. I, I saw the short. I loved it. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but I want to start with you as a person. Um, mm-hmm. Where are you born? What do your parents do? So I was born in Los Angeles, um, but I grew up in Diamond Bar, California, in the in- Inland Empire, about like an hour out. Yes, um, yes, I know. Wow, and- that's far. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my dad, he was a behavioral psychologist. He passed away in 2010. Uh, my mom, she is a teacher. She teaches uh, fashion merchandising and, and merchandise buying. So, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Say, so you're not technically the first creative in your family because yeah, fashion no, is Yeah, exactly. Favorite. Yeah. My mom is a more you know artistic one. So, yeah. And my dad's like the the, the funny one. So. And then, so growing up, obviously in Los Angeles or near Los Angeles, you're surrounded by the film industry. So, but where's that spark first come for you? Um, I say, I say it first came when I was working in front of the camera after college. Uh, I was a model slash actor, like you know everyone else, uh, and um, I was really tired of not having a control over certain things, and then just realized that my whole life I've had, you know, this love, passion for cinema. I love movies. A lot of my favorite moments when I was young, like watching movies with my dad and parents. Um, and so realizing that, you know, I can create this. I, I can uh, actually form my own, own narratives. I can move audiences in my way. If I just take that risk, so I was like, you know what, let me just do this. Otherwise, I'm going to be miserable. And I'm glad I did. So you're you're in college for film or not for film? Not for film at all. Um, what are you I'm, studying? I, I'm uh, communication studies. Um, okay, so close. <laughs> yeah, I, I played football in college um, for a few years at the University of San Diego um, before I tore my Achilles, and ah. that's when I kind of shifted. Mm. Um, and at that time, I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to graduate. So, <laughs> yeah. But I never really thought I would get into the industry. Like that was never anything really on my mind before um I thought you know I was gonna go to get my bachelor's and then 
maybe go to grad school on something. Uh, so. So then, but, okay. So you're in college you're playing football. You hurt yourself. There's a moment there. We all have that moment where you're like, I can do this. You do love films, but do you know, or do you remember what that one film that was like, I love this so much. I have to do this job because of this film. Uh, the thing. <laughs> okay. But which version? Uh, the AC version. Yeah. John Carpenter's okay. version. Yeah. <laughs> That's he's, a, my, yeah. he's like my favorite filmmakers. So, uh, I say, uh, once I saw that, and that one really helped me like specifically do horror because mm -hmm. I saw that and I was just very like, you know, I was in awe of the practical effects and just, uh, um, just the development of the atmosphere and just how it made me feel within that moment. And so it triggered something within me uh, that was just very inspiring. I love that. I actually saw the thing for the first time last year and I taped like my live reaction. I was just like, how, how have I never seen this before? This is so amazing. Then I tried yeah. to watch the remake and I said, no, I can't do this to myself. This is, this is going to ruin everything I love. Yeah. <laughs> John Carpenter has been sparking horror creators since the seventies. So we thank him for all of yeah. his inspiration. That we yeah. No, I'm a Wes Craven girl myself, but we, we love Yeah, John. oh, I, I love Wes Craven. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just Carpenter's been having my heart. He's having <laughs> your heart. And then, okay, so you make a decision to switch. Did you go to film school or did you just jump into it? I didn't. It was more so a trial and error thing. Um, mm -hmm. I saw a script, downloaded the download scripts online, see how people formatted scripts and just like reading ones that I really liked and just over and over again, watching films and reading it. Um, then just testing out and waste, wasting, not wasting money, I would say, investing a lot of money in the projects I never see the light of day, uh, mm -hmm. but learning, just constantly testing and learning. Um, I say that's how I really grew and learned because I was also working every single role on set. So just learning about everything from lighting, camera, audio. Uh, and so it just really helped me uh, be very efficient in my process as a filmmaker. And yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful for that, for how I experienced it. Um, uh, I, yeah, I wish, I mean, in a way, sometimes I like, I wish I had gone to film school, but mm -hmm. then also it just like, it really helped with how raw certain of my stories may have been. Um, so I think in general, I just, I just wanted to keep trying. I, it, like I was looking for opportunities to fail in a way yeah like a learn so. but and as we know i mean i'm a i'm a self-taught youtube student myself um mm -hmm. but as we i think you and by i both know uh is that no one gets anywhere by themselves so like talk to me about your tribe your film tribe yeah. who yeah. have to eat them so my dp jake jack was i met him i met him from when i probably i say man i've known gary for about between six to eight years now mm -mm. I met him through a mutual friend and he was like hey this guy who moved out here from New York um he's really into filmmaking like you and I thought you guys may want to connect and with that uh we did like a project shortly after a short that I never um put up anywhere uh but from there kind of built a relationship and I worked with him in different projects I also work on the corporate side now in marketing and so like I'll bring him on certain corporate jobs, really lost stuff I do, um, I do trust him with because we we think very similar. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to communicate what I want. 
you know was he the dp on mr crockett yep so beautiful by the way yeah thank you yeah beautifully shot like there we're gonna talk about it but there are some shots where i was like yeah 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 (laughs) you know when you see a good shot you're like oh that's a good shot yeah definitely (laughs) and then i would say my editor jeff osborne he did it also he edited and he did vfx for mr crockett uh he has been probably a mentor for me i would say because he's someone who like I really look up to as far as like editing and just for as far as like just process in general. Yeah. Uh, when I did start filmmaking and start working more so on the corporate side, um, he was just so advanced of where he was and he was doing just so well. And so I was fortunate to have like, uh, I worked with him, I think one, on one of my earlier shorts that mm-hmm. came out, but it was like a comedy. It was, you know, at that time, I'm just like testing stuff, put it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, not submitting it anywhere. Um, but since then we kind of like grown together as friends, uh, worked together on little projects here and there. And so when I had this opportunity, I knew exactly I wanted to go to him, especially with my idea. I was like, first of all, with the budget, like, I, I'm, I'm only going to be able to, <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to be like, uh, this is going to be your friend is doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. but luckily I've had a really talented friend. And so we like, mentioned numbers on the podcast, but I liked, I'm interested after we, yeah yeah for sure yeah here that's tacky so yeah no (laughs) yeah but I say Gary and Jeff are like you know they're like my my rock when it comes to that because I knew I had I'd have Gary and I had to have Jeff on this and those two are like my uh true look inspiration for me and something that like inspires me to keep on going moving working on projects so. That's awesome. And you've known them for so long, obviously, you feel comfortable and safe in their hands. So yeah. I, I love those things because I always say, you know, Issa Rae always says it too, you want to reach out and not up. And it's like you have people to your left and your right, you need to utilize them. So you can mm-hmm. all do this together. So, yeah. um, okay, not to get to Mr. Crockett yet, because we're almost there. But mm-hmm. You mentioned you've done a couple of shorts, you're trying some things on YouTube, you're just learning. And then you also got into a marketing job at some point yep. around there, right? Yep. Right? Yeah. But still in the filmmaker mindset, it'd be like, okay, I'm doing this job to pay my bills, but I still want to do this thing over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's now let's let's talk about 20th Digital Studio, because I have a little story about the previous owners of 20th Digital Studio, but we'll get there. Um mm-hmm. How did this come about where you're now pitching for Bite Size Halloween? So I had a sh- my previous short was uh, titled Kiara and it screened at Beyond Fest mm-hmm. and um, a development coordinator under 20th Digital Studio saw my short there and reached out to me a few weeks later and invited me to a meeting. And then that's when I met um, one of the execs of 20th Digital Studio and went really well. And then a little bit later, they invited me to pitch. And nice. so, yeah, I did that. Okay, don't get to the pitch yet, because I want to- yeah. No, no, our, yeah, I, I did, yeah. Our <laughs> podcast is, listeners are horror fans, but they're also, there's a lot of people who want to work in horror. So I do like to talk about pitching yeah. process and things like that. But For I want to quickly inject, introduce my story. I'm not going to say their former name, because I think that's whatever. But yeah. before they were 20th Digital Studio, they were something else. Mm. And I got invited to do a pitch for Bite Size Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote like six little mini scripts and I was so excited to go pitch to them. And this is not a slight on my director. I had a director at the time that who had shot 
Deadly Dispatch with me. And I loved her so much. And I was like, can we please pitch this series together? I'd love to shoot these shorts with you. And we went in the pitch. And after we left the pitch, we kind of looked at each other like, we're not getting that. Like, it did not go well. <laughs> it did not go well. And you can tell, you could feel it in the room. We were like, we're not going to get that. Uh, long story short, we didn't get it. So let's let's go into your pitch now. So you're invited to come pitch. What's the first thing you do? Obviously, you have to come up with a concept, but did you do like six like we did, or did you always just have Mr. Crockett? Um, I had four total. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Mr. Crockett was, I, I actually took a weekend where I went to San Diego because I, I, I have two kids. I have a four-year-old, one-year-old, two boys. My house was oh, crazy. So um the only way I could do this I was like I took a weekend to go to like San Diego and just like write mm -hmm. alone and so I just put a few like three decks together and on the way home I came up with Mr. Crockett ah because I was like I was like in my head I was like man like these three like hey they could work you know but I was just you know thinking about the demographic and thinking about like what actually may be like you know attractive to a studio like that yeah um but I just really wanted I kind of like, I guess, looked within in a way in my yeah. daily life. Looked at your own life. You're literally life. escaping your children for a weekend. <laughs> exactly. And so, so I, that's when I, yeah, that's when it kind of came up. Um, I was like, okay. I was like, and, and I just really wanted to take a risk with certain things within Mr. Crockett. So. I love that because um, if you guys don't know, obviously go stream it. It's on Hulu. Um, just search Bite Size Halloween, um, episode 10, season three. Um, the the gist of it, the story is, it's about a a young, a presumably single mother who is having a really hard time, just not losing her mind with her very overactive child. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really kismic that the one that they picked is the one that's closely resembled to your life, which is being a parent and the struggles mm -hmm. of having young children. You know. Yeah. So yeah. it goes to show you, I mean, I love that you said like, oh, you were thinking of the things the studios would want. And then at the end of the day, it was like, well, let me, sh this is my life. I, mm -hmm. I want to, and that's the one they picked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and that's one, yeah, that it got, you know, because of course you pitch and you get certain uh, reactions and like, you know, get some head nods. But that's when you like, I got a few comments off of it right afterwards. I'm like, okay, you know. But at the end of the day, too, I just, uh, I think I was glad I kind of went in, not like slightly jaded, but I'm like, if this works, this works. If not, yeah, whatever. Because at the end of the day, I, I'm like, I have like this nine to five corporate job and this whole other life and so many other things. And I'm like, this is like what I love. But at the end of the day, like, you don't, you don't need to pay, you don't need to pay me to make horror. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll do it like by myself. And so I was just happy for opportunity. So I think that really helped. Uh, just because I was just truly myself and um, I was able to really just not worry about what I was doing or saying. Yeah. You took the pressure off of yourself of like, this happens. Awesome. If it doesn't, I'm still going to make horror. So it doesn't matter, which I love that. That's the most empowering thing. Yeah. Not feeling like the person across the table controls your whole future, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's because at the end of the day, like, you know, you're coming at it. It's like, the, you're giving them this opportunity yeah yeah you and your talents so that's a like good way why, to flip it and so like when you come in yeah that's like really because my pitch was the last pitch of the day and i know they had like a, they were like they all came on zoom and then it, yeah it was uh so, oh, but, that kind of sucks you're the last pitch <laughs> of the day it's been a long day they're hoping you're the one you're just like 
yeah, let me just tell you a couple of stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, you know, not waste your time. I was joking a little bit, but it it, it worked out well. Did you know during the pitch, especially during Mr. Crockett, like, oh, that's the one they liked that. Oh, that went well. Yeah, I say so because I could see their, you know, I was like, I had like a group of them just reactions on on that. And like <laughs> the way I go through it, um, I really like narrate out my 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 beat sheet, <laughs> my <Yeah>. beats. <laughs> um, and so with a lot of that in the build, uh, I could just see them kind of like very invested within that um and especially because they were talking about just like how much violence they may want within that and at first I uh I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna give anything away no we're not gonna <laughs> but, give it away but, but yeah but it is pretty gory and pretty scary yeah and, and in like six minutes which is crazy yeah and so with that I just um I just really wanted to present this trusting character yeah and go left real quick um oh that's great i did you give away the twist in the pitch uh remember i did give yeah, uh right. i no not even give away the twist actually of what was gonna happen oh. but um but i did give i mean well in the pitch yeah i mean in pitch oh, i yeah. told, the whole, told i told the literally yeah, totally from, beginning, from yeah. beginning to end i i did everything like okay yeah, and because I and after that once they're like, okay, yeah, and then I started writing the script. Right. Oh, so you haven't written it yet? You just I didn't write it. I, I I don't I I'm not I'm like I I don't like writing unless someone is like yeah let's write this. Okay. <laughs> because like no <laughs> yeah. I I like I I was doing that a lot before but yeah right now where I am in my life and just like my schedule it's right. it's, it's really hard and so. And I wasn't going to write any of them unless, yeah, unless they said, yeah. Because I was like, let me just get it to where, like, literally, I mean, I, I knew exactly the scenes. I had right. them all beat, beat out, like, very specific. So they saw it. And I was, like, very into it, like, breathing down, you know. <laughs> I was, yeah. like, telling, like, a campfire story and shit. I felt, like, over Zoom. And so um, I think just, like, as long as you get them invested in that story and right. they see that beginning, middle, end, um, and they see what this audience is like clearly for and then the, them getting like the comparables and it's like okay you know did you practice it before you jumped on the zoom with anyone um I I just practiced it with myself <laughs> sit the kids down <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, my, my son's like no I don't want to hear any of that right. <laughs> but uh I say I say I just was made sure I understood my story. I didn't really rehearse it because I was yeah. trying, I don't want to get locked into some type of performance. And if I do mess up during a pitch, I mess up, but do have confidence in yourself, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, as long as I dropped all the nerves, I try, I had faith in myself. I was going to recover <laughs> and yeah. I was gonna be able to, to move forward because I knew my story and I, and I knew everything about it. And so yeah. I, I already was very confident in selling them. So I think it was just more so like, as long as like, I understood everything that I had down, then I was going to be okay. But I was, before I used to do that, I used to rehearse my pitch. Yeah. And there was a couple of times in uh, pitch meetings where I'm like, yeah, this is not going to go well anymore. Well. <laughs> so. And those were, that was before pandemic when they were in person. I almost feel like in person, it's awful because you can feel the energy in the room. Mm -hmm. that's what we did and I was like oh now it's zoom and I'm like at least I can like 
pretend like I can twiddle my thumbs underneath my desk and no one sees it or I can tap my leg and no one knows how nervous I am like thank thankful for zooms yeah um, okay what are your three quick tips when it comes to pitching um be efficient and effective mm -hmm. uh be be yourself they want to see you because they're not just invested in the story they're invested in you as well um and be on time <laughs> I mean I think the best thing you could do is just show up and really just be ready like 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 no no know your shit like if you if you don't truly understand your character and his motivation and really another thing okay I'll tie this up into that theme you know your theme and really understand it and how it could resonate to your audience Okay, we're gonna get okay. Hold on to that one because I yeah. want to touch on that. But we're almost there. We're inching closer to Mr. Crockett. Mm. All right, let's talk about after the pitch. You did the pitch? When did you find out? How did you find out? What are the next steps? It was a couple weeks later. I found out. I got an email said, "Hey, Mr. Crockett is greenlit for production. Congratulations!" And I was like, "Oh, it's great." Um, and it immediately went into it. Uh, I think I was the second project that was greenlit for the season. Nice. Luckily, I was able to shoot earlier on than a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. um, so because that gave me just the time I needed in post-production because post-production got a little, a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, from there, just that's when I started meeting with uh, some people at 20th to where they gave me producer options. Um, because for, for you to pick or for you to do? For me to pick awesome um and at the time too i'm like yeah because like I, I wasn't even gonna try to produce by myself yeah um, yeah i just and because at the time uh for the company i'm working with i'm like planning this national brand campaign and both of our due dates were on the same day oh god <laughs> and so i'm like okay this is couldn't happen at the worst time but obviously i'm taking advantage of this opportunity because like you know yeah. who knows another thing like this will happen yeah um, so we picked a date found a date I was like let's just we, we just need to lock it in um to even start moving forward and from there uh I found two producers who really were in love with my project okay. they worked on the previous season a few episodes and I was like great you know all the structure paperwork everything you've dealt with these people before you'd make my life a lot easier let's shout them out what are their names Thomas Bond and Sarah Sligman awesome and then what yeah. made them as producers really stick out to you I'd say, um, I mean, they were just sufficient with their process with like budgeting to helping me find the locations. Uh, I could tell they really cared about the project too, for how often they um, reached out. You know, they were real people. I actually liked them. You know, I would, I would consider them friends. Nice. Um, and they're people that I would work with again, because most of the time, my previous, previous projects, I produced all my stuff. You know, I, yeah. I don't usually use a producer because like, I'm usually paying for everything and I'm like, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, really quick to go back in the timeline. What do you remember what month you pitched in versus the month you got greenlit versus the month you started shooting? I think it was May got greenlit. Mm -hmm. I think June we started shooting. Yeah. In Great. early June. Yeah. Okay. And now it's October and they're out. Okay, cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. 
we're we're getting closer we're here actually we're here we're here mr crockett okay so like i said before everyone it is streaming on hulu just search bite-sized halloween um it's about six minutes and it's so good so much is happening in six minutes but i want to talk first about the theme let's go back to what you said the connective theme um parenthood is a, a theme that jumps out but what was your initial theme in the pitch that you said to 20th digital um what I said is I, I connected it to my son because this is a direct reference to my son. Like major is my son, except my my son is times three that. Uh, the energy. Yeah, I guess energy. And he is really obsessed over certain um, media. And yeah. really, I uh, the theme was cherish the moments while they really are here. And especially yeah. within this point, um, within childhood at that age, um, time does go by really fast and a lot of times we not we may not understand uh, the emotional intelligence of young kids mm -hmm. and just realizing that they're just kids yeah they just love things so much they want to play baby shark 50 million times or yeah. you know, we're gonna talk yeah. about bruno a thousand times yeah and, and kanto everything kanto you yeah. know it's funny i was watching it and um when uh the mom said major i, I call my dog major mm. because when he's being bad like it's like a major yeah. um, yeah. name is mejan and my <laughs> grandma named him mejan because my dad's name is major oh Anthony. wow so his name is, we call him Tony, my dad, but my grandma, you know, his name is major. So my grandma named essentially the dog after my dad. And so when I say major to my dog, it's because I'm disciplining him like major, that was bad. Um, <laughs> so I was like connecting to it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was like, this is a human child. I'm not saying dogs and human child are comparable, but sometimes my dog gets on my nerves and I'll go, I need yeah. a break from you. Like major, get out of my face. So yeah. it was it was so interesting to watch <laughs> this experience on screen. I was like, oh, is that what I sound like when I'm yelling at this damn dog? It's, it's crazy. I feel like that scene happens like every morning for me before my son goes to school. <laughs> it's like... Um, I want to talk about this actress. She is so good. Oh, Cicely Friday. She's amazing. She like I'm just watching her do all of this emotional work and layers and yeah. <laughs> And I'm just like, it's only six minutes, but she is just so convincing. And you know what I really love about your film? It, it's not the stereotypical angry black mom. Cause I was really concerned about that for a minute, Brandon, I'm not gonna lie. I, was I, like, I understand, me. Okay. I, I try to make sure I didn't. <laughs> okay, cause I was watching and I was like, are we doing the stereotypical like angry black single mother? Mm -hmm. And no, her delivery and your directing of it is, this is a parent who is, having a moment with their child is nothing to do with race or being mm -hmm. a black woman it is just a very universal feeling of like i am a human being i have my own needs and i can't really cater to this other thing right now i want some time so i really do appreciate you taking the care with that was that something yeah. you like talked about with her when yeah i i definitely did talk about it and that was something that really i mean when choosing her especially within my audition process and you know, seeing other girls read that really, um, and I needed a mom who's like a real mom for this role too, because people who try to pretend to be moms, they yell at kids differently. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a certain way where you're like, oh, this person does this often. 
And, yeah. but it was that underlying where like, you know, she loves this person. Like she just wants this person just to stay in line. Like, just please help me at the end of the day. Like the way yeah. she's yelling at her, it's like, like, she's like, help, like, please help me. You're seeking help from your child. Yeah, I love and that. So, yeah, and so and like when you're like, like putting the blame on the child, it's like, yeah. no, it's me. it really is me. And I just yeah, am yeah. looking for you to give me some solace. And yeah, it's like, please help me. Like I'm yeah. like, I'm breaking down before I completely just tap out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so and it's like almost so that last plea. And yeah, so. that heartbreak, that that last plea, especially when she realizes what she says to her child. Um, yeah. And how she says it, and it's so heartbreaking in her eyes. Uh, really quickly, as a director, your three tips for actors: um, breathe <laughs> is one, yeah. um, and I would say just really, really know what moment you're in and understand the pacing of it, mm -hmm. um, and really just like be and be free within that moment. Like, know to take risks no like especially every take doesn't have to be the same like yeah obviously not like crazy blocking where it messes up consistency but yeah. um i think just like even test out certain certain beats that you may think i mean i think in general like i in horror like drama i may have them hold longer beats yeah i may let that feeling sit in more i may need to see major I may need to see him that yeah, hit him more. Yeah. You know? And so just I think it's about internal dialogue, internal monologue. Uh, uh, that's really like a strong thing that I say because at the end of the day, I think dialogue is not really what people want to say to each other. It's all about the what intention. They don't say. Yeah. yeah. And you have to direct a child. Oh, <laughs> but you, yeah. You have two sons. Yeah, so. Yeah. But what, I mean, what is that experience like as a director to, because he's very good too. Like I, I was watching it. I was like, there's a maturity to this child actor that is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. When I, when he was auditioning, he was uh, definitely light years ahead of other ones. Uh, he like, he had a tear going down his eye um, after like, in, in, the, in the audition tape. And so wow. um, he, he kind of, he was very confident too when I met him and he was real cool. And, uh, you know, he like, remind me of like a slightly older version of my son except like sweeter yeah um, but, but in general I was like during the callback he was taking direction well and the adjustments I was giving him yeah and especially because I had to add more scenes and just so many things going on having like singing the song and like lights and, and yeah. stuff but yeah um not to get specifics about that but but yeah, yeah. like he uh I was really proud of him it was also, I had to be very patient, too, at yeah. the same time. Um, but I was very lucky to find him. Yeah, I think the casting is is so... Did you use a casting director? Yeah, uh, uh, Luisina Cordley. She yeah, was amazing. amazing. Uh, she found some great options. Uh, Mr. Crockett, though, I I basically... I, I groomed that person. What You groomed them? From where? Well, I, I, I knew him from before. Oh, okay. No, and... he's very good. He's very good. Very, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it it's giving me echoes of um, Tales from the Hood. Yep, that was that. If you know, yeah, no. Once you see the guys, once you see the short, you'll know what episode of Tales from the Hood. But I can't tell you the episode because then you'll be like, oh, I know what this is gonna do. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it gave me like shades of that, and I was like, oh, 
This is, yeah. yeah, I miss I miss the Tales from the Hood days. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss all those types of films during that era. I mean, yeah. my, my film was, I had it take place in 95, technically. Okay, uh, I can and, see that. Yeah, and so uh, I, 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 especially with like the VHS and stuff, I, yeah. I really just wanted to not do current age because just a parent dynamic would be a little different. Yeah. And one in like, like a limited as far as like certain technology, like TV technology. Yeah. I just didn't want to make something new age. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I like that. Horror is scary. Horror is not really scary when you have Wi-Fi and like a hotspot. So yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I need some, some analog stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, there's this really, really great twist ending that's really heartbreaking too and again we're not going to give it away you guys go watch it it's six minutes you can you'll survive um but what this actress is delivering during those moments god and she has to do it over and over again like how draining oh it's so draining i felt bad yeah <laughs> like, and she's really giving it to you like yeah and it was like and the shooting schedule was pretty tight we were like <laughs> barely yeah. made each how many two, days that was two day production no yeah barely made each day wow during that scene yeah it was it was a lot um and yeah i just gave her a strong motivation i won't say it well but yeah but yeah yeah you know yeah you know yeah with that but um yeah yeah, it was just something like you know you you if if he's gone (laughs) so yeah it's it's that's heartbreaking and she did a fantastic job so good for you as a director you know using her personal life to traumatize her enough to get the performance you want you sadistic bastard exactly um, <laughs> you know <laughs> just pull up i'm like pull from your real life experience right like let me show you some photos no <laughs> um what talk to me really quickly about working with 20th digital studio because of course you have your producers um mm. but what is the process with the studio? Because this is really interesting, right? Like, yeah. how much creative freedom do you have? How many things do you have to pull back on? Like, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. So they were great to work with. Uh, they trust me a lot during the process. He has to say that. Uh, Just kidding. He doesn't. <laughs> no, but for real, they, they really did. Like, they, they. I mean, I, I was surprised they gave as much freedom. Like with cast. Um, like first they presented someone from Mr. Crockett and I said, um, I want this person instead. And so, yeah. And so it was like, all right, well, we'll see. And then I, you know, when we went through the auditions, like, you know, as long as you present your, your top, you know, few options, a lot yeah. of times the studio will be like the final approval approval person for it, but it was definitely something to run. Okay. You know, I was each cast member. I, I was very happy with, and yeah. I say post uh, and during shoot, you know, you have a couple reps on set uh, mm-hmm. from the studio who are working specifically on your project and the development of it, you know, going over shot lists previously for you make sure mm. um, that all, everything makes sense and you're not yeah. just like going to blow. Shoot things. Yeah. Blowing yeah. Them. And just like, what's this guy going to do? Is he going to waste my time or what? Yeah. And so once they're confident about that and then you're pretty much like, you know, everyone sees the monitor and digitally yeah. too. So, you know, you're kind of on display in a way. Uh, a lot of pressure. But, you know, I had fun with it. Yeah, um, yeah. And if you can rise to the occasion. Yeah, I and because like, like I said before, as long as you knew, as long as you know, really, really know your story. story. Yeah. And, you know, the motivation of everybody, like there's really nothing to worry about. 
And I really liked having them on set too, because it was someone to bounce ideas about or be get mm. validation about certain things. Yeah. Oh, you know, do I really need this shot? Oh, I should probably think about this shot too, actually. You know? Okay. Three, your three tips for directors when it comes to working with studios. I say be open. Mm -hmm. um, at the at the end of the day, like this is a collaboration and this is not just your project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I would say communicate as much as possible um, and keep updated as much as possible. You don't want to surprise anybody because it makes yeah. you seem untrustworthy. Yeah. And three, I would say have fun at the end of the day they yeah they want to they're investing in you as well as a, as a filmmaker and remember that you know they may be thinking about you not only about your project in the future of develop, development but maybe other projects they may have in mind mm. so you never really know those are also three great tips for marriage be open communicate oh invest in your projects <laughs> i need to constantly be heard that uh, be told that yeah <laughs> um uh we're, we're wrapping up but i quickly want to touch on this too talk to me about working with your crew did you know everyone were people new and if so how do you get people who don't know you to kind of like respect you and deliver what you need so um i i knew a lot of people i knew my makeup artist special effects makeup artist uh lizzie romero she's great i've worked beautiful work yeah she did an amazing job yeah i worked her on a lot of horror produ productions in the past and um she's someone i just i truly believe in and so she's always been there for me so when this came up i was like you know i don't even want to explore options as far as that i'm like this yeah. is my person for this person yeah yeah and i say all the other crew of course yeah i get approved um as well but the ones I did not work with, I think it's just, you know, to get respect is just be respectful. Yeah. Say hi to everybody. Yeah. Um, look them in the eye. Don't treat them like they're anything less. Yeah. And I think from that, you get a lot of respect on set. Yeah. Crew members scare me. They're so yeah. good at what they do and they yeah. move on to set to set. And they have this like intimidating presence where they're mm -hmm. like, if you're not on your stuff, the crew will call you out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They will yeah. let you know when you're when you suck. So I'm always like, I just want to impress the crew. <laughs> yeah, care. it's like I'm like I'm just here to do my thing. Like everyone trusted, everyone was excited about the project, and so it was just people. If anything, people were kind of like sent somewhere a little nervous to talk to me, but mm -hmm. I was making sure to talk to them. So yeah, that that's that's great. Um, good to hear. Um, really quickly, your three tips for directors and working with crew. Um. Yeah, I would say talk to all of them as if they are equal of status, mm -hmm. um, especially like, you know, your PAs, they work so hard, you're crafty, work so hard, like your grip and your swings are running all around and doing all these things, trying to save, get light on time for your shot. Yeah. Um, I think just really understand that you are working with humans and they're all here for you to make your project, you know, actually work. Yeah. And so you should be thankful for them to be there. Uh, and I'd say it's always important to, I just, I think like at, at the beginning of every production, just kind of like, let them know where you're at and just like, let, just let them know that of kind of set the tone early that they are all going to be safe on set. Yeah. You know? And that if they have any problems, they really can go to you or someone this, and that they don't have to hide certain things. 
Yeah. Um, and I always make sure I, I always, I, it was a great crew. So I always make sure I just hire great people. I, I don't yeah. like drama. I don't like people with egos. Right. Uh, that I, I just can't deal with. It's, it's hard for me because I have very, very, you know, sweet people I work with and they're hardworking and I don't want to do that to them. Yeah. Who wants to go to work just to have a miserable time? <laughs> like, no one, we already have to Some work. People do. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know those people <laughs> so, um yeah. all right as we're wrapping up here um I want to say overall what is your biggest takeaway from this experience from making this bite-sized Halloween short that I need to trust myself more hmm. um that like I feel like that I can do this and I have a I had a good val- validation with this project. And yeah, I think I'm I'm truly inspired for next projects coming up, um, potential developments. And yeah, yeah, I think it's just uh yeah, like I guess before I was like a little not like idle, but just like busy with a lot of other stuff who I, I you know, which I really am not passionate about. Um, yeah. Time I do get to tap into my passion, like it's a good day for me. Like whether I end up being a a big working horror uh, filmmaker or not, like I'm I'm still gonna make horror because I, I, like I said earlier, like you don't have to pay me to make horror. So. That's the right attitude. Whether whether or not it's still gonna happen because yeah. you're a fan first, right? Yeah. I will say I'm also am fortunate that I have a a good corporate job, job and yeah. enable to support me and my family. Because if I didn't, that would probably make the situation a lot different. And um, I know how it is to be a filmmaker when you don't have those things as well. Um, so and with attitude wise, and how to thought like that. So I know it's easier said than done sometimes, but um, it definitely was a process for me to get to this point. But I hope all of our listeners can take away from this is that whether you're writing horror, you're filming it or you're doing TikTok videos. It doesn't matter. Like if you are a true fan, you'll make the content and the people will come. They will come. Just put yourselves out there. Again, you put yourself through beyond short best. Someone saw it and it led you yeah. to your next thing. If you hadn't had done that, who knows if, if it would yeah. be here. So, take risks on yourself. That's what it yeah. really is. Like, make the thing. Make Do it. the thing, you yeah. guys. Okay. Um, Brandon, it was so sweet talking to you. I really appreciate uh, I love go-getters and now everyone's going to DM me and I mean, but do it. Sure. You never know. I might be in the mood. I love people that just reach out and like, I have this thing you need to watch it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm really serious though. I love when people do that. I think they feel intimidated to do that. And I'm like, sometimes I'm busy and I can't, can't help you, but sometimes I'm free. And I'm like, yeah, I want to watch that. And, and honestly too, because a lot of people I may have talked to about the film is not the audience of your podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like there may not be a lot of black people who may have seen my short that yeah. I wanted them to see. Like, yeah, like I have like uh, a lot of my friends are black and a lot of them are, are seeing it, but there's certain pe- people within like the black horror community that I know have not seen it. And so in general, like, I just like, you know, I would like to, spread the awareness I like hey yeah there is this series but there actually is some strong black horror talent within this yeah and so what do you one more question before we leave as a black 
artist, but also as a black horror fan, where are you hoping we can grow within this horror community? Like, where do you see our future? I honestly, I would love to see the our future to be like, when I see white horror filmmakers and there's a plethora of them and the mm -hmm. catalog of their sub-genres are so deep. Mm -hmm. They take so many risks from like witches, monsters, slashes like Michael Myers. And there's very few, <laughs> I'm trying to build like the black villain roster in a way. <laughs> yes, you know, I don't no. see that many of yes. them. You know, and I we feel like some people- Candyman, he can't yeah. be the only one killing people. And we so, deserve equal rights. <laughs> yeah, so that was also part of like, a certain part of my pitch, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I, I wanted to see more black antagonists within horror. And I know that's harder today because we may it's not- tricky wanna, it's, it's tricky slope. It's tricky slope, like, but I kind of just want to take the risk and do it. Because yeah. um, also I, I also am making horror also for the true horror fan. Like yeah. I, um, like I, I try not. I mean, of course, I see certain commercial appeal and stuff that works, but I try to really aim for that. You know, I, I, I try to talk about real life experiences that can happen with any race. But I do, no. I, I do love the position black people to wear like in general like i mean set off was a big inspiration for atmosphere and wardrobe for this film like yeah. set off men's society above the rim like you know like why don't we have films like that within the horror genre as well Ooh, you you we, we could have a whole episode about that though yeah. like I'm, and so I'm I, would love to, I would love to unlock a lot of that you know and take those risks and so that's where that's where my head's at with everything yeah mr crockett feels like a gagool you know, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I love it. I love it. I, I want a Mr. Crockett series. Let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Uh, I'd love to. I'm, I'm not to give to away the it. ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um anyway, thanks for answering that. That was, you know, I tacked that on the end. But uh that's what we'd like to do here at Afro Horror. This this season, season four is the year of the creator. So we've been talking to more independent um, directors, producers, writers, you know, just in general about their horror films that they're making, because it's like, well, I'm not going to wait until Universal catches on that you're a talent. You did something. Let's talk about it. You know, like mm -hmm. if we stand around waiting for studios to catch up with our stories, we we were just waiting forever. So yeah. we're so happy to have you on the podcast and to celebrate you, especially during spooky season. Um and the short is is a black horror film and we stand black horror here obviously it's not for horror yep. Yep. <laughs> um and again you treated your black female protagonist with such care i was nervous but <laughs> yeah. men writing women i go what are they doing yeah see that that was that's that, that was a big thing i was nervous about too with that you know yeah. because i wanted to be sensitive uh just because i know how a lot of people could perceive um, mm -hmm. So. But you did a great job. I was thoroughly, overly impressed with her portray and her and her performance. But also just like, okay, good. I don't feel like I have to like cut someone today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So with that said, you guys, thank you to Twentieth Digital Studio for for finding Brandon. Um. But also thank you for Brandon for being such a creator, uh, and putting himself out there, giving us Mr. Crockett. It is streaming on Hulu for bite size Halloween. Okay, no D, so not bite sized bite-sized mm -hmm. Halloween yep. Yep. um season three episode 10 and six minutes and it's, it does so much in six minutes we've just talked about it for an hour and then there's other uh shorts on the site too I encourage you all to watch them they're so fun that's the thing about horror I love you can't do 
shorts like this with every genre. Like, yeah, you can have some mm-hmm. drama shorts, you can have some comedy shorts, but it really sparks in horror when you can yeah. get a good five minute story in there. It's yeah, amazing and sensational. It's nice. so, so please go watch Richard Crockett and Brandon come back when the next thing is done. And then the next thing, yeah. don't forget about us. No, definitely. You get that universal money. Don't forget. No, no, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be the first one back. (laughs) Okay. Don't hang up. We'll say a proper goodbye. But for now, everyone, um, it is Halloween. It's spooky season. We're going to have many more of these episodes celebrating other creators uh, this month. And then go to the Instagram because we're shouting out uh, Black horror creators all month as well, making sure they get their flowers. Um, We'll see you in the next episode. And happy Halloween. Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you'd like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hemphill for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at Afro Horror or on our website, www.afrohorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.